We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy John of the Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Coming at you on, well, we are, we've made it to March and before the season, we probably thought that March would be the time to fortify, solidify, whatever word you want to use, our, our playoff positioning, perhaps making that final push towards 50 wins. Hey, you never know. Um, was not to be. So we're doing a little bit of a pivot today uh, for this episode, and we are going to get started on a topic that is going to become, um, I would say, increasingly interesting to Nick fans as uh, this season drags to a merciful close, and that is the NBA draft. And what better way to kick off talk about the draft than with the godfather of the NBA mock draft? He is the best in the business. Um, he's been on this podcast a bunch of times. He's nice enough to um, give us his time, even when things are crazy for him. Jonathan Wasserman of Bleacher Report. Um, So tried to design this episode so that it is uh, helpful and beneficial for people who already know a lot about this draft, but also um, as kind of an introduction for people who are just kind of getting their toe 
in the waters of of draft stuff. So we kind of go through the top ten. Um, we talk a little bit of like you know a little bit of fit stuff with some of the some of the guys who are popular names that come up when we're we're talking about the Knicks and uh, and potential draftees. Um, and yeah, just give a big picture overview on on where things stand. Uh, we were also um, able to talk a little bit about some current Knicks at the beginning of the episode because obviously Wasserman has been doing this for a long time and he uh, has scouted all of these guys, all of these young players who are on the team. So we, we got into a little bit of stuff about RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, um, Cam Reddish as well. So an episode that I think everyone's going to really enjoy. Again, Wasserman is awesome. Uh, and on that note, here is uh, my conversation with Bleacher Reports, Jonathan Wasserman. Joining me now on the next Film School podcast, not going to lie, I think I had this individual's first appearance penciled in for, oh, I don't know, three, four months from now, something like that. Back in the back in the salad days when we were five and one and nothing was wrong with the world, uh, but such is life and uh, such are the New York Knicks. Uh, so, without further ado, welcome aboard, Jonathan Wasserman of Bleacher Report. Hello, Jonathan. How are you? Hey, I know you're, you're disappointed to speak to me this this early in the year, but here we are. <laughs> you say that with a resignation uh, of. <laughs> someone who could only be a Nick fan and you don't, you never, I, that's what I love about you. You don't hide the fact that you do root for this team, um, yeah. which is unfortunate for you uh, <laughs> and, and me um, before we get into the draft stuff. I'll just ask how close of attention have you been able to pay to them this year? I mean, if you watch some of the games, you know? Yeah. I mean, not like you, but uh, I watched more Knicks basketball than any other NBA team. I've, I've, I've seen enough to, uh, to know what's going on there. Okay. Um, I'll I'll do a couple things on on the current Knicks who I know you've uh, you spent a lot of time scouting and then we'll get into some of the college guys. Um, let's start with something positive. RJ, uh, I remember talking to you about RJ before um, the draft, and I think you were you were kind of right down the middle on him as far as the range of opinions. Are you are you, you are you like surprised by anything we're seeing? I feel like this is. Are we in like the 60th percentile outcome for him right now? 70th percentile? Like where, where do you see this falling as far as what he's been doing? You know, I always, I, the fact that he's still, he's still 21, right? Yeah. 21. I mean, that, that to me, I mean, because, because he plays with such a, you know, he comes off as such a veteran, like he, he has yeah. such, he's so mature for his age. You, you really do forget that he's still 21 and that, you know, the fact that he can drop 46 points in the game. Yeah. Um, I, yeah obviously he goes through these stretches where he struggles. And I think some of it is, is mental, yeah. but I think for, for a guy like him, you know, the worries have started to fade about, you know, coming out of Duke, I was like, all right, what's his go-to move? You know, can he, how, yeah. how well can he create his own shot in the half court? You know, he doesn't really have like the typical James Harden, like package of, of go-to moves. He kind of just improvises a lot. And so I think the fact that he could still drop 46 points with his style of play is encouraging. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Um, I'm like, man, how many other perimeter or like, you know, quote unquote perimeter guys can do that without really having any semblance of like a pull up game, um, which, you know, we'll see if that if that comes along. Um, two other quick guys I want to get to are on the current roster. Cam Reddish. Remind me where you were on Cam coming into the draft, because I honestly don't remember. I had him in the the late lottery. I didn't I think I had him at number seven overall. Um 
you know, kind of like where most teams had him, where you wanted to kind of overlook the horrible inefficiency he had at Duke. And it's like that, that upside, like long-term upside, like it never expires. Like, I feel like in five years, we're still going to be like, <laughs> he's still got star potential. Um, so, yeah. you know, I, I, you bought the shot making and the defensive tools, but you questioned how efficient he'd be inside the arc, you know, consistently scoring. Do, do you, is there a part of you that still thinks that it might just be a matter of opportunities slash situation for him? Or, or do, do you feel like, you know, it's, end of year three, we've kind of not seen enough, but like we've seen enough to know what he's not going to be compared to like what some folks were, were saying, you know, before the draft. Yeah. I mean, like coming out of high school, he had the comparisons were T-Mac, right. And, and, uh, I know. Yeah. and Paul George and like, those are obviously done. Uh, but I still, I mean, I, I still think if he gets enough minutes and he could build some confidence and rhythm, cause he's definitely one of those guys who needs that. Like, he's not a guy who could, you could just like, you know, let him play. 10 minutes a game. And, and if he plays poorly, you know, pull him, you know, he needs, he needs to build that confidence and uh, he, he really hasn't had that chance yet. So it's, it's, I'm not ready to like say that he's a total bust, but yeah, at the same time, you know, the ceiling projections that we had in the beginning are gone. Yeah. Um, I think that's a fair, fair way to say it. Last guy, just very briefly is, is uh, quickly who I, if you would have told me that Emmanuel quickly was going to shoot under 33% from deep this year, I would have, I would have called you many names uh, and none of, <laughs> none of them. Nice. Do you, do you think the the shooting thing is like a, a blip? Do you feel like I, I where, where were you on him uh, coming out? And like, what has anything surprised you, you know, this year from him? Yeah. I mean, I was not, I think I had quickly at 40. So already okay. he's, you know, I lose, I get an L for my evaluation on quickly. Cause he's, he's, he's a, he's a rotation player for sure. I'm not buying any of the, I'm not buying the point guard stuff, although, you know, you, you do see those flashes where he, he creates and gets into the lane and makes things happen and throws up lobs and, and he can't sure. set up teammates. But I think his value is streak scoring and, and, you know, a guy who gets hot and he puts a lot of pressure on defenses. And I think that'll continue to be his calling card. But with that, you're going to get the cold streaks and the slumps. And I do, and, and I'm not, you know, I know he's not shooting great from downtown, would you say 33%? I do think that's kind I of a blip. Like he's going to catch fire eventually and he's going to go through these streaks, but he's just one of those like lightning rod type players where, you know, he's like one of the, he's a, he's a great player to put in when you're losing, <laughs> but, but when you're winning, you know, he might not be the right choice, but he's, he's definitely a, a useful player to have on your team. And, you know, despite how frustrating he's been this year, I still think he's somebody that Nick should kind of value and, and, and keep on, keep on. I hope they're listening to you. Um, on more than just this. Okay. Let's have some fun. Um, so right now, as we speak, the Knicks are in, I believe the ninth spot in the lottery. Uh, I think there's a feasible chance they move up to eight. Maybe they get to seven catching the kick. The good old Kangs it might be tough. Uh, the Pacers, I don't know. The Pacers are looking a little, little frisky nowadays. Uh, we'll see. Um, you know, and you never know what the lottery odds are going to bring. So I, I kind of just kind of want to do a very big picture overview of of the lottery and and or even maybe even like the top 10. So the last um, big board that you put out, um, it was from about a couple of weeks ago, a little bit less than a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I think you've been pretty consistent on this all year, which is that you still have Chet Holmgren as your number one. Has that uh, let me first ask, has that changed since you put out that piece for Bleach? It Report? hasn't changed, but I'd say Jabari is as close as he's ever been. And he's at least made me think about it a couple of times, particularly lately okay. about moving Jabari Smith to one, but uh, they're, they're both like 
they're both very good. I, I mean, I have so few questions about both guys, but I think with Chet, I mean, nobody can do what he does and he's got the ability to impact the game in more ways than anybody. And so to me, I still have Chet number one. So, so Chet Holmgren for, for anybody who doesn't know, he's uh seven foot shot blocking shooting. Um, I mean, he's, he's, I mean, let's just say it, he's unicorn, right? Is that basically the selling point on him? Yeah. I mean, he's uh you, you don't see, I'm going to pull up his stats right now. And, and I saw I mean, you tweeted the clip of him going full, full court with the ball and in, in transition and just like that was his 16th time doing that. I mean, that's he's insane. A, seven, a seven footer who is 16 for 20 converting baskets as the main lead initiator on fast breaks. I mean, aside from the, the coast to coast takes, which are fun and, and, and highlight worthy. I mean, he's blocking three and a half shots in just 27 minutes. He's shooting 73% inside the arc. He's shooting 44% from downtown. He's a 75% free throw shooter. So you don't really have too many questions about whether the three ball is fluky or not. He's a plus passer for the position and he's competitive as hell. Like there's just not many questions except for his body, but his style of play, you know, it's not that worrisome that he's, you know, spaghetti thin. And like, he doesn't have that, like, yeah, maybe he's not going to be a dominant post player, but that's not the type of game he plays. And so based on his style, I'm just not too, too worried about him having a thin frame. I, I know you're, you might not be at the stage yet in this whole process where you're like really talking a lot to teams about what, what they're thinking, but do you, is there, I I mean, I don't think teams do this anymore where they're like, Oh, well, Joel Embiid exists. So we, you know, have to demerit this guy because he's whatever he is, 180 pounds or something ridiculous. (laughs) Like it, how, how, let me put it this way. How concerned do you think, I shouldn't even say teams, like, because it's only going to be one or two teams that are going to be opportunity to draft him are going to be when it comes to draft time because of the, the size, the weight. I so I, I have Chet at number one, but I'm, I'm, I have a mock draft that comes out on Wednesday. I have Jabari going first. Like, I think that okay. the team that wins the lottery is going to take Jabari Smith because I think wh- whoever wins the lottery is, there's going to be something in the back of that team's mind about like, drafting 195 pound big man when you have Jabari who is a full year younger than Chet and there is literally like zero red flags. I mean, so why don't you, why don't you have him in number one? I'll ask you that. uh, You could, I could make the argument, but I I think the, uh, there's just far more upside. I think with Chet, not far more upside, but another story, you know, in terms of his ceiling that he can get to, he's, he's, his defensive upside is higher than Jabari's. Um, and I think he can change a game defensively where Jabari can't really do that. Uh, but at the same time, we're nitpicking here. I just think that the team that wins the lottery, there's so much pressure to get it right. (laughs) And I think there's the perception that there's more risk that comes with Chet than there is that comes with Jabari. Um, my, Again, I'm I'm learning about all these guys. It's like, oh, I've been trying to pay attention as much attention as I can. Jabari Smith, I mean, he is is there a comp you could give me? Like how just give me give me the elevator pitch for Jabari Smith. Oh man, the elevator pitch. Just go watch this last game. He just he just put up 27 points. He came in a loss to Tennessee, but like he's one of the youngest players in the country and he is 6'10 and and shooting 40% from three and not just catch and shoot, like fallaways, pull-ups off balance stuff. Now he's attacking the basket. And uh, I mean, this is his floor. And so it's like, there's just so much more he can add and he's still putting up 27 points at his floor. Um, They also rave about him off the floor. Like he can't have 
he, he can't score a better grade character wise. So he's going to crush those interviews. And, uh, Again, if you just look at the eye test of him shooting, it's unbelievable. And and the fluidity that he does with at 6'10", um, I mean, there's going to be like Durant comparisons. I actually think he's more of like a Jaron Jackson player. Oh, wow. Okay. But, but a lot more shake and bake and fluidity around the perimeter. But but that was kind of the comparison I had coming in with Jaron Jackson. I didn't think he'd be this sharp creating his own shot in the half court away from the basket. It's, it's Jabari, you mean? You, you yeah, would, Jabari, okay. yeah. Um. It sounds like I know coming into the year, you know, you, I don't know if you did, but I know some people had uh, Paolo Bonchero. We haven't mentioned yet. He's, you know, obviously the kid at Duke who I swear every time I read something about him, I'm like, I'm, it, it I, the, the picture of Julius Randle's smiling mug just pops up in the back of my mind just a little bit. It's a good call. I mean, that was, is be, it really? That, that would, I mean, there are, there, they have different body types, but that's, it's a, not a bad comparison, at least in terms of like, like who he's going to be in the league. He's going to be a playmaking scoring power forward who probably doesn't offer much defensively, takes a lot of mid range shots. Um, and I know obviously what's his, uh, Randall has not been nearly as effective in the mid range this year as he was last year. No, not, not quite, <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's his, you know, that's his office. His office is like, the elbows and, and, and he's, he's very good from there. I have him ranked third or fourth just because of the risk. Again, that comes with a guy who loves, loves that, that area of the floor and, and isn't as dangerous from three, but Paolo is, is a better three point shooter than Julius was at the same age. And Paolo actually hit four threes over the weekend in a game. And Randall had some flashes of playmaking, but Paolo has been more consistent with his passing. Okay. Um, talking about it at the same age. So, I mean, I don't have many problems with Paolo. It's just that, that one thing that's a little bothersome with how much he like loves that mid range game, but he's very good at it. You, you just, so um, the reason I bring him up is it, 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 it sounds like there's a pretty solid top two here. Do you, you, do you expect that to change at all? I mean, I think, well, there's the three big guys who we just mentioned, Chet, Jabari and Paolo. And then I think Jaden Ivey, is potentially top three, depending on how the order plays out. I know scouts who think that Ivy has like, you know, the John Morant star power and the explosiveness that he has just fuels that, that star upside. And uh, so depending on how it plays out and I, the beholder, like Jaden Ivy could go too, but I really? think it's most realistic to think that he goes four. And I, and then after that, I think there's a gap between four and five, uh, you could name a handful of guys, but I think that's the top four, and I bet money that that's how it plays out. So let's let's keep, stick with the, the four for a second. Do you, you know? Sometimes I feel like in drafts, or at least based on the reporting, because God knows I, I don't know this stuff, that you get a guy or you get a couple guys where you know a team is going to demand the, the you know the moon and the and the sun and the stars for for somebody to trade up. Do you envision this being a draft where? Like if a team gets whether it's a top two pick, a top two, like that, a team that gets that pick is really going to hold on to it and demand, you know, more than it, another team is going to be willing to pay, basically to, to jump up and get someone. Yeah, I, th- I think that I think in this draft, and, and this kind of surprised me, but I really like the top of the board. And unfortunately for Nick fans, I don't love the late lottery portion of the board. At least my level of confidence isn't super high on any of those guys. You know being a star, but I think the top four guys in this draft have that star potential. And that's really where you want to land. 
And if, if, if you get up in that top four, obviously there are going to be plenty of phone calls made um, <laughs> trying to get in there. And I think it's the price is going to be high. So b- before we get to the uh, depression portion of the program, let's <laughs> let's let's talk about Jaden Ivy for a, yeah. for a second. I think he's the guy that that a lot of Knicks fans have, have fallen in love with, and you know, rightly so, because it's a team that hasn't had a guard like this. Uh, I mean, I don't even want to say Stefan Marbury was. Uh, I don't know. He was he was he was unique. Um, certainly had a lot of ability. Uh, it didn't really translate here to to wins. Um, it, but Jaden Ivy is. Uh, to make sure like, he's a shooting guard, right? He's not a point guard. I know that there are some who believe he can transition to point. I don't, I don't think that's the right way to use him. I think. Uh, what, so what is he at, at the next level in your He's eyes? like the definition of a combo, but I think he's, you're better off with a guy who can run the team better playing alongside of him. Like there'd be, there, there are going to be nights where he gets you seven assists, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's your lead decision maker. I think his, his, Again, his calling card, like his money maker, is just blowing by guys and, and transition, uh, and, and pick and roll sets. And when you can put yourself in that position to blow by guys, naturally you're going to be in playmaking position. And I think he's developed enough passing IQ where he can take advantage of that, and capitalize as a passer and playmaker. But again, it, I, he's not the guy. I don't think you want him running your offense and bringing the ball up. Uh, you can use him in so many different ways. I think of him more as like a Swiss Army knife guard. Again, then, like your lead facilitator. Um, are, would you have any concerns with like? Yeah, again, it sounds like the top four is pretty rock solid. Would you have fit concerns with like certain certain uh, teams or like like fitting? Like for instance, like RJ Barrett is here. Like we we've, we're seeing RJ Barrett develop. He's the closest thing the Knicks have to a cornerstone piece. Um, I think he is a cornerstone piece for them um, moving forward. Like he seems like a fairly easy guy to play with for the most part. Like. It, would you have a, you know, like, can you picture Jaden Ivey and him on the same team? If you're the Knicks and you're worrying about fit with Jaden Ivey, <laughs> there's, there's something wrong with that. <laughs> Got it. He is the best player available if they can get him, uh, you know, assuming they can't do the other, the other three bigs. Um, and uh, yeah, they're too far away to worry about that. And, and also I think, I think Barrett is pretty interchangeable at the wing. You can play the three, you could probably play the four against some teams with how strong he's, is and, and can get. And uh, listen, yeah, Ivy can play some point. He can play some two. Another guy you can move around, but uh, they shouldn't be worrying about whether or not Ivy fits with Barrett. He's too good. Okay. Um, that, that makes a lot of sense. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So that's the top four. Uh, again, as of your last big board that you had uh, come out a few weeks ago, um, you had AJ Griffin, another Dookie. Uh, you had back-to-back Dookies at four and five with Bunch Arrow and Griffin. Um, Griffin is has uh, he's kind of moved up boards throughout the season. Is that correct? Honestly, mine. He's in the same spot as he started, but I've, I've okay. been on Griffin for a couple a couple years now. You know, for example, so you're high on him then. Yeah, I'm high on him. I've, I've been high on him since he was probably 16 years old. And, you know, he played for USA, U16 team. So there's plenty of tape on him. He's been around, even though he didn't play last year, he had a a leg injury. And so he hadn't played in a while. And I think that's why maybe some teams or other media outlets have, have been down on him and questioned him. Like earlier this year, he was 42 on ESPN's board. So, I mean, he was, I think he started the year seven for me. Okay. And now he's five or six. But this was a guy who I, I wrote an article two years ago um, talking about the p- best high school prospects. And in 2020, I think I wrote about A.J. Griffin being a potential number one, number one overall candidate in 2022. So wow. that's the type of upside his game you know, showed at that age. I'd say I probably got a little too excited with that. I think I've learned that he's not as athletic as I thought he might be. Okay. Um, but with his – he's 6'6", 222. He's shooting like 45% from three and he's just got this terrific frame for defense. Uh, I, I question a little bit his off the dribble game and, and can he create his own shot in the half court, but between his shooting and his physical tools and also a guy who's still 18 years old, uh, like there's just such a high floor that any improvement is just total bonus for, for a, a wing who could probably play three, four guard, three positions. And, and again, shoot with great accuracy. It's. It sounds like it's. This is another one of these guys where it's like three and D is the the floor, and then yeah. if the shot creation comes along, that's okay. So that would be that would be pretty exciting. And it gives you those. It gives you those glimpses of like tough fallaways, um, and pull up shooting. He's a very accurate pull up shooter. He just doesn't do it with like a ton of speed and explosiveness. So you question how well it'll translate. Yeah. But uh, again, you're nitpicking here. I think between his his body type and shot making, like it, it's. He, if number five with his floor, sure. If if you had to bet on it right now, do you think he winds up being the first guy picked after that top four? He's in the conversation. Would I bet on it? Uh, I probably wouldn't do it with a ton of confidence, but <laughs> there's going to be like you know three or four guys you're you're looking at there. Um, Johnny Davis from Wisconsin is going to be there. Keegan Murray from Iowa was averaging like 24 a game, and again, it's it's eye of the beholder at this point, um, and, and possibly fit as a tiebreaker, depending on who's picking there. But yeah, he's, he'll be one of the main names talked about um, at number five. So a name you, you did mention, and I just thought of it because you, you talked about how much tape there is out there on AJ Griffin is a guy who's, there's not that much tape out there uh, on. And that's, uh, am I pronouncing his name is Shaden Sharp, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I'll let you, so what's, what's the deal with Shaden Sharp? What's going on with this young man right now? Yeah. So he enrolled early in Kentucky and Everyone just assumed that he would, you know, just practice with the team, 
Um, and then he'd come back next year and be the star of the team. He was number one recruit by ESPN, number two by two four two four seven sports, I think number two. But in a uh, good class, right? Yes, good class. He's he had a monster EYBL session. Uh, he, he led it in scoring. And again, then we find out that he's going to be eligible for this draft. And so he hasn't come out and said he's declaring. But like, if he goes through the draft process, teams are going to tell him you're going top 10. I mean, if you're the, every number one recruit goes top 10, even if he doesn't play the, you know, ride the mystery wave, like <laughs> somebody's going to want to take a chance. Um, especially, like I said, because I don't think that there are a ton of sure things after the top four. And so he's six, six incredible athlete in terms of bounce. Like he does some wild things around the rim, but he's also a very advanced shot maker, pull up game, step back game, deep shooting range. And so again, another guy that just has that high floor based on the shot making athleticism. And then I think the question that I have, because I haven't seen him in a while um, is that in between game, you know, how efficient is he going to be getting to the basket, creating his own shot, you know, in in uh, against the set defense, but I think for an 18 year old with his with his balance and shot making, like you take the chance that early. Is this like a Jalen Green type of situation where it's like that? Those is it similar questions about him? Yeah, I mean, I think with Green, there was so much film on Green. Like Green played everywhere. Yeah, um, uh, you know, USA and and just he was very visible in high school. And Sharp was a little more of a late bloomer. Okay. And so there's just, just like you said, not as much tape on him. So you want to make sure that the high points in EYBL weren't just like, you know, a hot streak, you know, they weren't just, just fluky, you know, takeover like a week or two of takeover offense, but the eye test was pretty convincing. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's going to go top 10, even if he never suits up. Um, you mentioned Johnny Davis. Uh, I, he's the one guy I probably know the least about in, in the top 10. Could you give me like, again, give me the elevator pitch on Johnny Davis. Who is he? What's he, what's his deal? I mean, he came out of nowhere. I mean, he was, he was like six points a game last year. He played for USA U19 team this summer. He was a non-factor and I don't know, just clicked, just clicked early in the season. And he's, uh, six, five, score like just the definition of a score but also very tough defensively he's an, he's another intense guy uh three level guy you know he'll get you 10 baskets and each one will look different okay he's not a high volume three point shooter i think that's a little bit of a question mark he's also like really high usage maybe like over 30% usage rate so he's got every opportunity in the world to put up you know a ton of production in wisconsin which he does but he's already had like six games where he's taken over down the stretch and and put the team on his back and in one game single-handedly, which is like a really cool thing. And uh, he's got the intangibles, the competitiveness all checks out. I think with him is just, is the three-point shot real? And then, you know, he's, it's hard to assess him athletically. Like sometimes he has these unbelievably explosive drives with his left hand. And then sometimes he can't create separation for himself. So I think the jury's still out on how good of a shot creator he's going to be at the NBA level. Okay. But between his production, his body, his competitiveness, the improvement he's shown from year one to year two, and his impact, I mean, he's a National Player of the Year candidate. So I think he checks too many boxes for teams to nitpick at. He's he's a lock to go somewhere in that five to 10 range. Okay. Right in the, right in the Knicks territory as we speak now. Okay. Which, you know, it sounds like that 
again, you're really you do a good job of selling these guys. I got to tell you, man, you, how someone hasn't hired you as their uh, as their hype man. Um, OK, I've been saving. I don't know if I'm saving the best for last, but I've been saving like if you want to talk about a guy who, uh, you know, may check some boxes that interest the Knicks, uh, Kentucky point guard, um, Ty Ty Washington, Jr. Um, is is this is this the answer to the next point guard woes that have existed for the last I don't know how many decades it's been now. Probably not, but I can, <laughs> but I can, I can really vision him on the team. I mean, obviously the Kentucky connection, but he's right. He falls again, another guy who's probably going to go late lottery. Um, and he makes a ton of sense based on what you can give him. And I, I think he's a guy and some question this, but I believe that he is a guy who can be a full-time point guard. Um, okay. But he, he also has the versatility to play the two. I mean, he's just very complete, very well-rounded player. Uh, it's tough to find one really hole in his game other than his athleticism. I was about to say, it's just the athleticism, right? Which makes you question what's going to translate skill-wise. Does he have that burst to beat guys and, and, and finish around the basket? But he's shooting incredible percentages from every level of the floor, from from three, from mid-range with his pull-up, with his floaters. got one of the best floaters in the draft. He's very efficient around the basket. He's got a great assist to turnover ratio, like stat wise and skill wise. You know, he's not missing much. It's just the athletic questions. Um, but to me in that, in that late lottery portion of the draft, based on who else is left, um, I, I, I think he's a worthwhile pick and particularly for a team that could use another creator and shot maker. So like me, me not, being anywhere close to an expert at this stuff, I hear what you just said. And I'm like, well, aren't those the reasons that Tyrese Halliburton fell in the draft? Like, is this a, might this be a similar situation where it's just like, get the good basketball player on your team and don't worry as much about what he can't do. Or do you have, you know, more, more concerns here with Ty Ty? Um, I mean, I think they're a little bit different players, but I agree. I, I've over the years, I put less stock into athleticism, particularly for guards. Like I'll, I'll take the high skill guy, over the the explosive guy who who struggles to shoot or or can't get his own shot uh, with with ball handling moves, okay. but yeah, again, I'm he's also a year older than most people in his class. That's that's a, a con on the scouting report. Um, but I'm I'm higher on Ty Ty than I think most I've spoken to okay. around the league. Oh, interesting. Again, I I just I I think he's just so well rounded that he's going to find ways to compensate for the fact that he probably is not going to get you a ton of dunks. Okay. <laughs> well, listen, that's, we have other players who could dunk. We have Mitchell Robinson. He probably he might be leading the league in dunks for all I, for all yeah. I know. I haven't checked that set in a while. Um, before I let you go, give me, give me one guy who you have your eye on um, as potentially, I don't know, maybe like as a movement guy, maybe jumping up into the top 10, who's like not there. Like maybe someone you're like, if this guy has a good tournament, is there anybody out there like that? Or just, you know, someone, someone that we haven't talked about that you find interesting even. Yeah. I really like Kendall Brown from Baylor who okay. uh, numbers wise, they're not going to jump out at you. Not really a big shot creator for a wing, which of course you like, but he's maybe, you know, one of the best athletes in the draft in terms of speed and bounce. And he just, he just impacts the game frequently without, having to dominate the ball or take a lot of dribbles or make a lot of shots. Like he just finds ways. He's a quick processor as a passer. He's just, Can he shoot? Uh, he, it's not a strength. The other okay. day 
pull up three. I mean, I'm, you know, the, the bar is pretty low if I'm quoting one pull up three that you made. <laughs> hey, it's something. <laughs> but it's just, uh, you know, I've watched him from high school to, to now at Baylor. And it's just like every time he's on the floor, good things happen. Okay. And he's one of those guys where like a bad game from him doesn't hurt your team. And he doesn't have many bad games because he doesn't put himself into position to make bad decisions or to force bad shots. He just makes those winning plays. And with his athleticism at six, eight, uh, as a wing or, and a combo forward really defends multiple positions, gets himself easy baskets, great passer. Like he's just, he's just one of those guys that you want as the five guys on the floor. And I think some team is going to recognize that as Baylor makes a run in March. And, And again, he's, you know, traditionally you don't love wings who, who aren't creators or shooters, but I think he's more of an outlier type prospect who, who uh, is going to win some guys over. This sounds like exactly the type of player that like every Nick fan has wanted the team to draft for like a million years. <laughs> and they, 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 uh, they instead will draft the Kevin Knox of this draft, which is who, <laughs> who's the, who's the Kevin Knox. That's that. I'm, we'll leave you on this. Who's the Kevin Knox of this draft, Jonathan? Oh my God. You're putting me on the spot here. I am putting who's you on the spot. Patrick I feel Ball- bad. Patrick Baldwin from Milwaukee, who is just also 6'10 shooter, who like looks great in an empty gym, but <laughs> in the half court, you know, when he's got to like make moves and stuff, it just doesn't work. But uh, so against the chair, gonna, it's, it's good, but yeah, uh, he's going to be, he's going to look great in workouts, but when you put four of the guys in the defense in front of him, uh, it's been bad news at, at Milwaukee. And I think anybody who knows him, you know, his story, he's, he's, he chose Milwaukee over Duke. Um, to play for his father and oh. it totally backfired. Like the, the team, honestly, the team just stinks and everybody loads up on him and he hasn't figured out what to do. And then he got hurt. And now he's not going to play, but he's somebody, Oh, I had top 10 coming in. And now oh, wow. I think, and now I think he's probably late first round. Oh, okay. Interesting. Well, sorry, Patrick, you got the Kevin Knox <laughs> kiss to death. Um, Jonathan, you're amazing. Like I said, I uh, hope we, um, as is our tradition now at this point, I could have you on, you know, before the draft. But in the meantime, can you uh, tell folks at home where they can find you and your stuff? NBA draft was on Twitter. Uh, we got a mock draft coming out on Wednesday. And, you know, as we move into March, the draft talk picks up and especially in New York, if nothing really changes. <laughs> um this is the time of year to start putting loss on notifications. I have you on notifications all the time because I just like when you, when you tweet stuff out, uh, especially your, your occasional Quentin Grimes praising tweets. Someone I didn't ask you about because like, you know, it's Quentin Grimes. He's awesome. We don't need to talk about him. I'm surprised. I was wait. I was like, Oh, we're ready for some Quentin Grimes talk. And wait, wait, he, the, that's the thing. He's so good. We don't even need to talk about him. He's Quentin Grimes. He's, he, he just walks on water. I don't A even quick know. Quick note on Grimes. Like I th- I'm pretty sure. Like he's one of those guys where he had such a good NBA combine performance that I think if, if I think that's what sold the Knicks, like, I, I, I mean, he was so good during the NBA combine that uh, I, I think that was it. Like that's what got him drafted first round. I'm whatever it was. I'm happy. It got him drafted because he's someone that I'm very excited to watch play basketball for. Before uh, that, I wouldn't have had him anywhere close to the first round, to be honest. Really? Okay. You, you think it was a good pick? I do now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the time, I was never a huge Grimes guy, and you watch him at, at the combine, which I always put stock into those combine scrimmages because it's just. Such do you a, really? I do. I, oh, because I, I, I know, do. like, not not a lot of people, or some people don't don't have that stance. I do. I think it means something when you could play with, with other guys who you never played with and and really show out um, in front of NBA scouts and and with 
you're playing against, you know, five NBA prospects and and to show out like the way Grimes did, like he just was like the clear winner from the event and it's totally carried over. Well, let's hope it keeps carrying over and let's hope for some uh, lottery luck for the first time in forever. Um, thanks, man. You are awesome. All right, J-Mac. Appreciate it. Okay. Hope you enjoyed that convo with Jonathan. Jonathan's awesome. Um, if you are somehow not following him, correctify that um, because you're going to really want all of his takes coming into the draft. He is very humble, but um, he is as well connected uh, on the draft as anyone in the league. And you're going to start to hear rumors and different things about where teams are at on certain guys. Give him a follow on Twitter. Read everything he puts out on Bleacher Report. Uh, it's all free. It's not behind a paywall or anything. And uh, he really knows what he's talking about. So was thrilled to have Jonathan on the episode. Uh, hope you enjoyed it as well. And uh, we will be back with another episode uh, tomorrow, actually. So stay tuned for that. And then we got uh, post game coming at you on Thursday after the Knicks play the Sixers on Wednesday. And on and on we go. Uh, until then, uh, enjoy the week as it moves along. And we will talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.